dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Sister Natalia. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Him forever. You didn't wait three seconds into recording before you said that. I did wait three seconds. You didn't. It said one second. For our Lord, every thousand years is like a moment. <laughs> It says that somewhere in the Bible, and that and that that counts for waiting to start talking as well. It's the Psalms. A monk would know. hashtag <laughs> hashtag Nub would know. Um, well, so what is it? At one moment, like I'm I'm just bumbling through this. A thousand years. What, a thousand years like is like a moment. Come and gone. Okay. Three seconds is like a second and a half come and gone. Anyways, um, thank you for your courtesy laugh. <laughs> so this is take You're two. Welcome. Did you? Well, first, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm doing okay. You're holding that. <laughs> you're holding that mug like that guy is. You know. You know that meme of the guy, the dude sitting there like the millennial, sitting with his legs crossed, holding coffee, holding a coffee mug with both hands, and. You know, kind I don't of. Think I know the meme. A, a lot of people have raged on the meme because it's like this was supposed to be. So it was some advertising meme, and they said, "Well, this is supposed to be what modern masculinity looks like." And it's like this guy sitting with the tea, like holding tea with his with his holding it exactly like you are, which is obviously you're a woman, so oh. you're holding it very feminine. Um, but he was too, and it was just. And, and anyway, you remind me of that. You look you look very comfortable <laughs> right now, sitting in your chair. I'm super comfortable. Are you good? Yeah. Good. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you doing other than being comfortable drinking your um, coffee? I'm it's tea. I'm doing okay. Um I have so as you know, but the listeners do not know. I don't I don't know how um, much to share. I like you have, I have veins bulging horrible. in your forehead right now. Like <laughs> I can see your your like your triceps through your head. Oh my gosh. I'm on I'm on steroids right now, is what you're saying. Um yes. and the reason is she's the first woman it, it ever started. to play MLB baseball. <laughs> um, the everything started on pre-profession retreat, Father Michael. Like I don't know how much of this is spiritual warfare versus just um, I don't know life, but on pre-profession retreat, there was the first morning in which a horribly embarrassing thing happened that I can't share on the podcast. And then I started getting a rash um, unrelated to horribly embarrassing incident. And, but the rash was like only coming in the mornings and, um, and then it would go away. And I was like, that's weird. And anyways, um, and then I ended retreat on crutches (laughs) because this is what a pre-profession retreat is, apparently. Um, well, anyways, that rash continued to happen every single night after I got back to the monastery. Um, and then it would go away within a couple hours of getting up. And then I realized that the rash was hives. And I have this horrible, horrible case of hives. And um, I'm going to see a doctor about it in just under a week from recording which is September 2nd. And because we don't know what it's from. We don't, it's, it's not an allergy. 
it's not stress. I'm actually like less stressed uh, than I've been in. I don't even know how long. I'm actually like very much at peace. So it's not it's not an anxiety thing. It's got to be some sort of medical problem. Um, we've ruled out allergies because it started in LA and it's continued here in Ohio. And I'm like wearing different clothes, sleeping in different bed, all of that. Um, but it got to the point that I'm, I'm not done. Hold on. Let me finish. Um, it got to the point where the hives got so bad that they were like on my face, on my ears, on my neck. It just like, and my entire body covered in hives and and then it, they continued during the day. So it like stopped being only at night. So I had to start steroids and I hate steroids because they make me super anxious and super high energy. And um, that's the whole story. Now I'm done. I think we have a bad connection because that looked like I was going to cut you off or something. I think it was weird timing. Well, you like... Yeah, you like took a breath. I was, to I, was I was like just that. sitting listening. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> don't read like what I'm I speaking, feel, Father Michael. <laughs> I feel like like someone in counseling. I'm like, and then literally I breathed in, and she like had a meltdown. <laughs> I do enough marriage counseling. <laughs> the guy's like, I swear, I just like looked to the left a little bit, and she had a total meltdown. <laughs> Life. That's what's going on in my life. So, um, yeah. I'm good. No issues as usual. Jesus protects me from any <laughs> suffering whatsoever. And I go, I kind of skim through life. And oh, guess who I guess who I sat next to two nights ago? <laughs> I'm trying to <gasps> Jesus think of like from the, the most. Chosen? The mo- no, almost oh. as good. I'll give you a hint, and listeners can scream at their at their uh, radios as is at their phones as is typical on our show. Um, so you're you're a bit too young, but you probably know who this is anyway. Um, this is L.A., and so it's a it's a celebrator who uh, I was sitting next to. So what happened was is a friend of mine um, switched jobs, and she started working at this really really nice sushi place. Three of my friends did actually, and so I call and I say, hey, I have a friend in town, and um, they have a little bit more money than I do, so they're gonna, they want to take me to a nice sushi place. So um, we're, can we go there, and can I sit in your section? And she said, yes. And then I said, do we need to make a reservation? She said, nope, Tuesday nights, there's always plenty of space. So then all of a sudden I get a text that says, how many and what time? And I said, oh, okay, she's going to make us a reservation. <laughs> so I say 2, 7 p.m. And we pull up, and the place is packed. Now, I've never been there, never been there before. And I walk in and I, I, I have my collar on. And so the hostess goes, oh, you're Father Michael. And I said, oh, yes. You know, my, my friend Figs must have told you that I was coming. She said, yes. Um, she said, we, we, we have a situation where um, somebody very important came in. And so she has their table. And so normally she'd only have their, them and their security. But because you requested her table and because she loves you, we're going to give you in her section. So I go in there and I'm what? sitting only with this celebrity their entire crew and then their security table which is next to them and then me and my friend um so i'll give you a hint about who this is um they are one of the you're just gonna embarrass me oh yeah that's why i'm doing this um so i like it was years ago this news article came out saying they are one of the the quickest 
earning billionaires ever. Like they went from a millionaire to a billionaire in, in, in record time. Uh, they 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 made their billions on something other than their origin, original career. They they were big in the nineties. Um, they are not a physician, but it sounds like they are. Oh wait um, wait wait stop 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 <laughs> I said stop. Um, doctor. Um, he had a show. Eminem it, says that people shouldn't forget about him. Um, <laughs> he never had a show. He didn't have a show. He Doctor, he invested um, in headphones. You're too young and nunny. I'm never gonna get this, Father Michael. Just tell me who it was. Doctor Dre. I sat next to Doctor Dre. Oh. Like, I've heard you know that who Dr. name. Dr. Trey is? Okay. He was a he was a, an epic rapper in the 90s and then he uh he kind of gave Eminem his start and anyway he's friends with Anderson Pack. Anyway, I I I don't really I like Dr. Dre but I like Anderson Pack better. Um by the way, these are not recommendations because you got to have the radio edits. I've never even um, heard of Anderson Pack. But anyway, I sat next to Dr. Dre. Okay. Anderson Pack is an amazing rapper and drummer, but he curses. He talks about things that not everyone's <laughs> hear about. So. Um, anyway, this, that, just disclaimer, disclaimer. Um, uh, yeah, so I sat next to Dr. Dre, and I kept on my and like my friend Emily that was with me. She was like, "Stop staring at him." I'm like, "I I I I, I hate to put it this way, but like." People that live very, very different lives than me, it's just intriguing to me. I love watching documentaries from, you know, developing countries, from third world countries, because the people live so different and that's intriguing to me. But when I look at a billionaire who is known by everybody except Sister Natalia and my friend Emily, who did had no idea who it was. <laughs> but like I am I'm, I'm looking at them all like, I'm like, what is your life like? What is your life? Like when you when you live in, you know, middle of nowhere. India and Mother Teresa's taking care of these people that live a completely different life or sleeping on the street and are just racked with pain, et cetera. Like that life intrigues me because it's so different than mine, but so does a billionaire rapper sitting at the table next to me. That intrigues me as well. I'm just like looking at this guy going, I've seen you in videos. I've seen you on TV. I've seen you in Beats commercials. I've seen you in all these things. Um, anyway, celebrity rant over. You I'm just really don't happy care. That you had you're, that experience, <laughs> and that you <laughs> you're sitting there holding your tea, just like very politely nodding and smiling and going like, "Okay, Father <laughs> Michael, I'm, I'm I'm glad you had a good night. You got to sit next to this Doctor Drew person. What's his name? Doctor Drew? No, that's a different doctor. Doctor Dre, <laughs> Sister Natalia, D R E, Doctor Dre. They forgot about Dre, and they should. Okay, I'll stop. Okay. Anyway, I was um, thinking of, I was thinking of, there was like a show that I feel like there was a show that was kind of like Jerry Springer, but it was like called Dr. Something. Dr. Drew. That was the other reference. I just really. Made. Oh, are you, okay. are you, I mean, there's lots, there's lots. Okay. Of never TV mind. shows that I never watched. Forget it. I heard about Just it. move on, move on, move on. So did did you before before our last one got cut off? Did you hear what I said the very last thing before we had the change before the technology failed? How would I know if I heard it? I changed my topic. No, I think you no, you mad. didn't. Yes, 
You I did. promised I, and me I have that you were going to do this See, topic. This is, this is the. I, I am going to do it. See, this is this is why I asked because this is the this is the reaction I expected. And since you didn't have that reaction, I figured you didn't hear me. Um, I have good reason. I'll Fine. do it uh, one, two, three episodes from now, and I'll tell you the reason after we're done. I'll still do it. I just have a good reason. It's a selfish reason, but it's a maybe good not. Reason. Maybe it's not three in, episodes. Maybe four because I might want to do two in a row. <laughs> oh snap! Yeah, that's fine. Um, so this one is going to be very. Um, this one is going to be uh, not, well, it's going to be good. I think it's going to be really good because I have some very uh, beautiful thoughts on things, but I think this one may need a parental uh, warning um, because mm. I'm going to talk about sex and, um, and bad sex and things that are not sex, but rather aggression that are not sex. So anyway, if you... I'm going to talk about pornography and hint at rape and talk about lust and things like that. So, um, so if you if you have children around and you want to preview this before letting them hear it, um, I was thinking if I had children, probably ten and up, um, I think I would let them hear it, at least what I think I'm going to say, um, because I, I think <laughs> it's it's good to talk about these conversations. But I do, I do want to give parents a warning. Um, because it was a very powerful. This came to me at my retreat last week at Holy Transfiguration Monastery. So, but it, it was it was kind of a beautiful, mm-hmm. very deep reflection on on what real purity is, and and when when lust creeps in, um, kind of the really evil places that that can go. So, you good with that, sister? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So sorry. We'll talk about the other. We'll talk about um, the other thing in in a few weeks. Um, but uh, so, first of all, this is, I, I really think it's beautiful. And I, I'm sorry, I don't want this to be a monologue. So raise your hand or just start talking, please, if, uh, if, I, if I go too much. But what happened was, is, as you know, I went on a, on a uh, retreat last week to Holy Transfiguration Monastery. Um, the way that the Holy Spirit oftentimes works um, is that we, there, there's like, everything comes together to teach us something, inspire us to something. So what happened was, is a few weeks ago, I, there was this some sort of meme or something online that said, these are the most popular pieces of literature of all time. And I, of course, thinking, well, the most popular piece of literature of all time is obviously the Bible, right? Um, now, I don't know how they chose this, whatever, this top 30 pieces of literature, but the Bible was number three. So it might've been by like uh, how much people have paid for it or something like that, because I know the Bible's most popular book of all time, but anyway, it was number three. Guess what number one was, sister? You don't need to guess because you're probably not going to guess. Um, Oscar Wilde's- um, Fifty a, Shades of Grey. Uh, that would be horrible. Oscar Wilde's A Picture of Dorian Gray. Have you heard of it? Uh-huh. Have I've, you read I've heard of it. I don't really know okay. anything. No. So there's going to be all kinds of spoilers. So that's the second reason you may want to turn this off. Now it's it's a couple hundred years old, so I don't feel bad giving spoilers uh, for a book. But I will warn you that if you, if you want to read a picture of Dorian Gray and if you like the little surprises, again, most people know that at least the the theme of it, even if they haven't read it. So um, a picture of Dorian Gray is about what about um, and me? I, I will also. What pre- if I want to read it? Well, then just like shut your sound off. And just you can nod and smile like you were earlier when I was talking about Dr. Dre. <laughs> and I'll just, I'll just do a monologue the whole time. Um, 
So, so in a picture of Dorian Gray, uh, it's about, and I, I will, I will tell you this. If, if, mo, if another disclaimer, um, Oscar Wilde was spent time in prison for um, same sex immoral actions that were illegal at the time in England. Um, so, so he was same sex attracted and. Um, I did not know this, um, would, but again, I, I would have read it anyway, of course. But um, but th- there's the it made me a little bit. I was I was like, oh, he must be because anyway, I don't know how to say this eloquently, but the first couple chapters um, are are descriptions of of a man's physical beauty from the perspective of another man. So it's kind of like, oh, this is interesting. It's a style just that I'm, I, I haven't heard, and, it's, and it was a little bit awkward to me. Um, so I will warn you about the first couple chapters. But it does, that does, that is helpful for the rest of the story. So in the story, there's this, there's this painter, and he, he meets uh, this, this young man who... Um, is very good looking, and he decides to invite. He he's a portrait painter, so he decides to paint a, a picture of this guy. So he does. He paints a picture of the guy, and and the the picture is. He says like this is the crowning work I've ever done. Like that this is this is just an amazing portrait. Um, so. At the same time, the the young man Dorian Gray is the one who has the portrait painted of him. So it's a picture of Dorian Gray, which is the name of the book. Um, so at the same time, the painter it, introduces Dorian to a man who kind of ends up being the protagonist of, I'm sorry, the antagonist of the entire story. Uh, and this man is is older than Dorian Gray, but he uh, convinces Dorian that that youth is the only thing worth living for. So once we lose our youth, our life is over. And so, um, and Dorian's probably, you know, 18 to 20 years old at this point. So he, th- this, this affects him so much that when he sees this painting of himself, he says, I wish, I wish, I'm so afraid of getting old. That, and, and I realize this painting is going to remain this way forever. So when I'm 90, I'm going to be looking at this painting when I was 20. And I'm going to say, that's what I looked like when I was 20. And now I've gotten old and, and my, my youth is gone. My beauty is gone, et cetera. So he makes this prayer and he says, wouldn't it be awesome if the painting aged and not me? So in other words, if, if we switch places, if I stayed young and good looking and the painting aged instead of me. Now, that's just, uh, it, it, he kind of calls it a prayer. It's, it's, it's kind of this wish he has. Well, as the story goes on, that's exactly what happens. But it's, mm. not, it's not his only his age, but it's his sin. So he, 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 he has this big sin the first time and he doesn't know what's happening yet. And this is what he realized. He has this big sin. Um, he's done something very cruel. And he goes to the painting and he sees that the painting has changed a little bit. He sees that the corners of the mouth have kind of curled up a little bit. And there's this, this cruel look on the painting. And he begins to realize that this, in other words, this, my prayer might be being answered. The, the painting might be changing. Mm. Well, then he goes on to make a long story short. He realizes that this is what happens. He realizes that he's going to be young forever. And anything he does and his age and anything he does, any sin he does is going to be reflected on the painting and not him. So he becomes, he leads this life of, of complete debauchery. 
and just complete mm. drugs, sex, everything. And, and and the painting keeps on getting uglier and uglier and uglier, re- re- reflecting the state of his soul. Not only his age, but the state of his soul. And he becomes so fascinated that he will he will go commit immense sin, and then he will go sit in front of the painting to kind of with this this morbid fascination watch what should be happening to him and his soul, but instead it's happening to the painting. So the, 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 the reason I, I say this, and again, the book goes into a lot more detail, but the reason I say this is because um, the impression I got was this is what the devil does. The devil tries to hide the effects of our sin from us. And this is why somebody, we grow up and we say when we're young, we say, you know, I, there's all these sins that I've learned that are horrible and they will lead to death. They will lead to hell. And, and I, I, I would never do these things. And then we get older and we start, the devil starts softening our resolve. And the devil starts convincing us that, that maybe it's not as bad as we think it is. And then we fall into one of these sins, say, and then we say, well, that wasn't so bad. At first we may react, we may feel total shame. We may feel horrible guilt. We will we'll run to confession. And then, and then we, after a couple of weeks and the devil's still putting the same temptation in our mind, we're saying, well, that wasn't so bad. It's like, Dorian Gray, like looking at himself and saying, well, that's not affecting me. It's affecting the painting. But if the painting was hidden, then he wouldn't, he wouldn't even see it, but he's fascinated by it, which is kind of the, just this, this evil fascination part of the book. But, um, so this is what the devil does with us is he, he, he takes the effects of our sin and he hides them so that we don't understand the natural consequences of our sin for ourselves or for our soul. And now, as I've said many times before, this is the way the devil begins to work. The devil begins to say, that's not so bad, that's not so bad, that's not so bad. And then all of a sudden he says, okay, that's too bad. Like you've sinned so horribly that, that, even Jesus can't forgive you, right? This is oftenized how the devil mm-hmm. works. That's not so bad. Go ahead and do it. It's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting you too bad, whatever. And then all of a sudden he will turn and he'll say, okay, now you stepped way over the line. So um, I, I just saw this, this, the idea of it is brilliant. That's one of why it's one of the most popular pieces of literature. Um, but the idea of it is brilliant um, to say, we all wish that would happen, but really the 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 image of of someone covered in sin the image of of a painting an innocent painting if you will suffering the consequences of somebody else's sin also of course reflects Christ because Christ took on in his de- passion, death and resurrection, he took mm-hmm. on our sin. He took on the, the effects of our sin. Not that he was a sinner himself, of course, but he took it on. So um, I don't know if that's what Oscar Wilde intended, um, but it, it's certainly a, a reflection of this aspect of our life. So um, anything on that sister before I continue off my other thoughts? Um, was he a religious man? Do you know? I just had a curiosity. Um, he he talks he talks um, about uh, Dorian Gray's fascination with Catholicism later on in his life, um, and so mm-hmm. like I, I think he was probably and he, this is of course the story. So I think there was certainly a 
an awareness, a fascination. He was obviously brilliant. Um, the life he was living in his homosexuality, um, he married two children, um, but he was also um, gay and, and had a, obviously a relationship on the side. I don't know the whole story. So I, I don't know exactly how that went, but um, the, he he had a, an understanding. He talks about at one point, Dorian Gray is is making all this money and he's he becomes very fascinated with the beauty of the Catholic church, like all of the externals of the Catholic church with the rituals, with the, with the ornate vestments, with the ornate <laughs> churches, all, all of those things. Um, so sorry, I know you put your phone on. Do not disturb. I did not, obviously. Um, so I apologize <laughs> for the ringing. Um, but but it, so I don't know. Um, but he certainly had awareness of it. Whether he was a man of faith, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think that I mean the the concept of the book is is fascinating. Are you sure it's called a picture of Dorian Gray? Because I thought it was a portrait of Dorian Gray, but that might just be a different. It might depend on the translation. The or the, I have whatever, exactly. You know? Exactly. The version okay. I have is called okay. a, a picture of Dorian Gray, but yeah, good call. Good to point that out. And were, were you reading that on retreat? Is that uh, what? I, I, no, I was doing, exactly. So I, I was I was listening to it, um, uh, the picture of Dorian Gray is the version I have. So um, I was listening to it on okay. Audible on my way up. So I, I had, okay. I, I listened to the um, second half of the way back. But then retreat hmm. brought all these other yeah, things, but that's kind of what I think started that. It's it's a fascinating concept, the book, and it's uh, because it's it's almost like I wonder. I haven't I haven't read it. Obviously, I like I said, I don't even know what it was about. But the what's fascinating to me about it is like it could have been, and maybe this is where the book goes. I don't again, I don't know, but it actually seems like it could have been a huge opportunity for Dorian Gray um, because it's like this 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 portrait is allowing him to see what's happening inside of himself. Like he gets this visual representation that we normally don't get the chance to see. And so he could right. like, and right. so I, cause I, I don't think it's um, the way you explained it is what's happening. What should be happening in his soul is happening instead in the picture. But I would assume that it's happening yeah. in his soul and in the picture, like he's just seeing the reality in the picture of what is happening in his soul, and um, and how many of us, uh, if if we could see the ugliness that is inside, if we could see some sort of visible manifestation of that, would that would that change um, our choices and our, our our lifestyle and things like that? So it's a it's a really fascinating concept. Yeah, exactly. Um, the uh, uh, it is a fascinating. According to the book, and I, without giving too much away, that is not the case. So it is not. It is mm. purely affecting the picture, but but because that 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 plays into the that plays into the entire. Okay. Well, I take that back. I take that back. No, you you may be right. I mean, again, if you've read it or if you want to read it, like there there's a subtlety there. There's a nuance there um, because you start to see. Um, you start to see him. He doesn't. He's not always as peaceful. So he. But but. Well, mm. So what you're saying it, it actually crosses his mind. It crosses his mind to say, should I use this for good? In other words, if I if mm. I see that 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 the like the first instance when when the the his mouth starts turning up with a look of cruelty, and he says, if I fix this, will it go back? You know. In other words, if I if I apologize and and do the right thing. 
will will the painting return to the 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 purity that it was before? So he has that now. Again, in the book, you're, I mean, this is why I'm talking about this. Like, the, you're making me think, but. In the book, he he does begin to change his disposition based upon kind of the way his life is going. He he's, he starts to actually behave differently, and it's it really is fascinating. I would love to actually do a book study with those who are smarter than me on this because the the there's the 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 way that his life and there's the, there's this guy named Lord Henry who's kind of the antagonist, the the little devil on his shoulder who's who's always getting him to be more and more hedonistic, just to live by his passions and don't care about anything else. And and Lord Henry's kind of the one who says, "Wouldn't life be perfect?" If, if, if we were forever young, if we found, you know, immortality, if we, if we were able to be young forever and not have the consequences of our actions. Um, so anyway, let, let me get on to the next thing where this goes, um, just to make sure I get to actually the heart of what I want to get at. But um, you'll, you'll see how that inspired that, listening to that on the drive up inspired me. So um, I was thinking about it and I was, I was at, at Holy Transfiguration Monastery. It's just, it's so... Um, it's such a holy place, and I and I'm any monastery is obviously Christ the Bridegroom is 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 the exact same thing, but um, but it's just you really feel like you're in a in a grace filled bubble, and so I, I I went there also to discern something very specifically, which I think I I think happened. I think our Lord spoke to me very explicitly about this one thing. Um, I'll share with you later on, sister. It's it's not necessarily something to to bring on the podcast, but um, but the so but I was sitting there and kind of really praying during the matin service and um I was reflecting upon this this piece of literature and I thought about um because of the the kind of sin and debauchery aspect of the book I thought about Matthew 5 27 and 28 and that is where um Jesus says you know you were told that it's a sin to commit adultery I say don't even, if you look at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. And that's kind of what it is, right? Adultery is a, is a, is a very physical, observable thing. I have committed adultery and, and the, both parties will say, yes, we, we committed adultery. Adultery was committed. It's very explicit. Whereas lusting in our heart is his hidden. And, and oftentimes we do it and we don't, we don't see the consequences of it. There's not, you know, the, the chance of having a child. There's not the, the, the hurt that can go along with it. There's not the, the betrayal of a spouse that can go along with it. But, but so it's more of a hidden sin, this lust is. Um, so another reference, um, I, I, I should find this. I'll try to find it. We'll, we'll put it on, on, on the reference here. But there, there is a great story. I think it was NPR. It was public radio somehow about a young man. And I, stop me, sister, or tell me if I've said this before. But um, it's a very well done podcast. And it starts with a young woman. And, and she, she begins by talking about the first time or the, the, her experience of rape when she got to college. And she, the way she describes it is she said, what happened was is she went out to a party with her friends. And at the party with her friends, they had like three, three girls. They all paired up with guys. And she had no intention of being sexually active at all this evening. And the girls kind of paired off and they went off. And um, I don't remember the whole story. It was, it was a couple years ago that I heard this. But what happened was is, is, is she she's young she's probably 18 years old and she doesn't know how to get home and so this guy this guy offers hey just come you know my roommate's away come stay at my at my dorm 
And and so she says, okay, as long as it's a separate bed. He goes, it is a separate bed. So they get there, and then she looks, and the roommate's bed doesn't have sheets on it. And she says, it doesn't have sheets on it. Is there is there sheets anywhere? And he goes, oh no, all the sheets are dirty. And he goes, okay, you can you can come stay in my bed and just you you can sleep up against the wall. I'll sleep over here. So she goes, okay, and she goes there, and then. And then anyway, he, the, the, as, as the evening progresses, he ends up just very inappropriately touching her. I won't go into the gory details. So very inappropriately touching her, completely against her will, completely against her will. And, and she describes it as, as she's like, you know, laying there looking at the wall, just wishing she wasn't there. And the way she describes it, which is very common to those who are abused, is, is a certain detachment from the world. They'll like they'll they'll go into a place in their mind so that they're they're not really present. Their brain is elsewhere to kind of protect them from being hurt. And so she describes this, and I've heard the same thing happen when there's especially well like those who are abused when they're young, um, because they they the the brain that shuts down. The problem with this was that, as you find out later on in the podcast, he assumed that this was consent because she was quiet. Yeah. He assumed it was consent. And so what happens is, is she, she is reeling from this. Thank God she goes and sees a therapist, et cetera. And then her college, I forget which one it was, they start saying, we, we want to train students in to identify what sexual aggression is, what sexual abuse is, what rape is. And we, we want to be able to have this conversation with incoming freshmen and incoming students so that they know what to look for and they know, they know how, to, how to be careful. So she, she finds out that she's trained in it and then she becomes a trainer. And as she's becoming a trainer, she like her first time standing up and explaining she's going to tell her story for the first time. She's obviously very nervous and she's telling her story and who's in the front row? but the guy who she hasn't seen oh in a gosh. year. And he is there to be trained to teach and identify. And he's one of these volunteers. And she says, she's trying not to look at him. And then he realizes, you find out later, he realizes that she's talking about him. And he oh had no idea that he had done. He had no concept because as you find out later, he thought silence was consent. So now these two tour together talking about date rape and talking about you know sexual aggression and sexual abuse and rape and all these things. And they tell their story um, because it, it's, it, it, it was so beautifully done because you need to hear both sides kind of understand the immensity of what's going on. And he, he starts out by saying, I raped this girl. Like that's how he starts out. He's come to understand what this is, but, but th there's, and, and then they, they talk about the whole situation. So this, this story broke my heart. And, and I, I've talked to other women since then who tell very similar stories about disassociation, about just kind of shutting down, about make, trying to go somewhere else in their brain so they didn't feel the, the immense impact of the pain of what was going on to them physically, mentally, et cetera. Um, so this, all these things got me thinking. And as I'm praying matins in the chapel every morning and, and every time I would go, I'd kind of return to this thought because I just felt really felt the spirit working. And I, and uh, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you uh, to speak after this sister. I just want to get to the conclusion. I got to the conclusion where one of the things, because I think especially men are 
we don't understand how troubling having lustful thoughts is. And like, now if you go all the way to pornography, it's just amplified a million, right? But even lustful thoughts, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 28, that lustful thoughts are like adultery. And if you understand the fact that we, as the Bible tells us, as the word of God tells us, we are all one in the body of Christ. So you hurt one member of the body, including yourself, and you're hurting the entire body of Christ. And so, Having, having lustful thoughts about someone is, is committing a sin against them, whether they know you are or not. You're committing a sin against them and against the entire body of Christ by having lustful thoughts. So I thought one of the ways to, to teach, especially men, to teach men that, that having lustful thoughts is sinful and damaging and to be abhorred and to be getting rid of is, is because there's, there's a lack of consent. The end of this podcast, what he says, and again, I, I know that this man is not Catholic, not even Christian. He's purely secular, but he says, from now on, I will not sleep with a woman or having, have any sexual encounter with her unless she is as excited as I am about it. In other words, mm. silence is not consent. That that was the conclusion he came to. Silence is not consent. It needs to be positive. Now, um, and this is, I, I know this is a big debate and I, I, I know people could say all the time, you know, well, the woman has just a, a part as much as anybody else. But but I I know this to be true because I know that, that, that when, when someone is being abused, they can completely shut down and not reflect the, the horror. They may say, they might, they may not, they may not say stop. They may not say no because their mind is elsewhere. Their, their mind is protecting them from the pain of what's going on. So the, the, and, and again, so the, the, the person who is, is the aggressor in this point needs to say silence is not consent. And I, I truly believe this. And because of these stories and because of the other instances I've heard of abuse and even the people I've talked to that involves abuse. So when it comes to even lustful thoughts, I think it's important for us to say, does, I, I am gonna be hurting the person and the entire body of Christ by having lustful thoughts about them. You know, do I have consent to even think about them? Do I have consent to even Imagine, even if it doesn't go to lust, even if it goes to, you know, I think about someone all the time and I think about, um, I think about an intimate experience with them, some intimate experience with them. I think about this, like, would this person consent to even the thought of that intimate experience? Because I think when you're dating someone, when I say, then when they say, I think about you all day, right? that's a good thing, right? You know, I want to, I want to spend time with you when I'm away from you, I think about you, like that's a good thing. So I'm not only talking about like sexual thoughts, but, but when it comes to sexual thoughts and that's what Jesus is talking about here in the gospel, it's, I think it's helpful to say to ourselves and to a person, well, if I love this person enough as I should, because Christ loves them to say, let me prevent my mind from going to lustful thoughts or even thoughts that are, are in any way, um, aggressive or grasping or possessive because they, they, if they knew I was thinking about this, them in this way, would they be offended? You know, and again, quick disclaimer for someone who is scrupulous, this way of thinking could be really, really hard because it just says they're saying, well, now I'm sinning just by thinking about someone. And according to Matthew five twenty eight, yes, but 
It's it's if you if you if you're if you tend towards scrupulosity and you don't want to pile up sin upon sin upon sin and get so paranoid that all my thoughts are sinful, like that just needs to be. We need to be very careful with that. And God is patient, and you should be patient, and your spiritual director should be patient. Um, but for those of us like me who are tend towards presumption, and those who like most secular men in the world, I think don't think there's anything wrong with pornography or with thinking lessly about someone or even being a little bit aggressive in their relationships with women. I think that this that that this is a good way of saying not only should you not be doing that, but but even even if you were thinking less about a woman, you you are you are sinning for multiple reasons, but also because she has not given you consent to to even think about her this way, and that does real damage to her because she's a member of the body of Christ. Yeah, I would there. I would add I to that, and I'm still developing that it, aspect of. Um, I would just add to the the aspect of would she give consent if she if she knew that this is what you were wanting to think about? I would just add maybe even to that, would she give consent to these thoughts if she knew her own dignity? Because I think that there are plenty of women um, who absolutely would give their consent to be thought of in this way, and in fact, maybe are even flattered or are maybe even desiring it, you know, um, and, or are like seeking that out even to be thought of in this way. And so, but, but those women who are in that position, uh, I'm very confident would not desire to be thought of in that way, would not seek it out if they knew their own dignity and had confidence in their own dignity. And so I think that needs to be added to it as well. It's not simply because then, you know, it could just be like, well, I've told this girl, I think this, and she's great with it. And so that means I can like, no, it's still a sin. Um, so I would just, I would just add that little nuance to it. Um, but then the other, go ahead. I, I, that's, that's an extremely important point. So thank you for saying that. Um, because I also think, and, and this is, this comes from, if you've never read the porn myth by Matt Frad, if you've never kind of listened to his podcasts and those who, who talk about what pornography has become, um, this is something I thought about too, and I, I have not done the research into it enough. Um, I, I read that book long ago when there was a podcast I heard long ago, but um, but they will say that pornography is is kind of as two different sides. One where it provides it it looks like there's it looks like consent. In other words, it, the 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 women um, in the in the pornography videos are 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 making a invitation to the viewer that looks like consent. So it looks like the person viewing the pornography, yes, this is fine. You know, obviously she wants to be in this, which is not true. You know, there's all kinds of sex trafficking, et cetera, but, but she wants to be in it. And then there's also the other side that is more really disturbing where, where someone watches pornography because, because they're, they're, they, they don't have consent. And and they they you know they're they're finding something sinful. I mean, obviously they're in, in, they're embarking on something sinful, but they're doing it because they don't have consent, and that turns them on too. So anyway, there's mm-hmm. we're, the devil is real, and there's just massive things. But I, I do want to say like that that is very true. And then I have something else to say, but go ahead and finish your thought. That that, that just because it looks like there's consent, you're right. If, if they understand their value and their worth, and I'm going to say something about that in a moment. But if you finish your thoughts, just try to want to interrupt you again. <laughs> That's okay. The only the only other thing that I was going to say um, is that when you talk about the 
the, the, even the, the thoughts of lust being sin, um, and being like committing adultery, it, it just made me think of, and, and you're talking about harming one person of the body of Christ is harming the whole body of Christ. And, um, but it's not, it's not even just, a, and you kind of touched on this too, but it's not even just a matter of in harming in thinking lustfully about this person, I'm harming them, even if they don't know it. And thus I'm harming the whole body of Christ. There's also simply the fact that, that if the lustful thoughts are sin, the East is is very, very clear in talking about, I mean, we read this all throughout the canon of St. Andrew. You read it a lot. If you read any Frederica Matthews Green's books, but um, that any sin that we commit, sin in the East is viewed as self-inflicted wound. Um, and it's it's like, committing committing sin is like committing spiritual suicide. Um, it's it's spiritual self-harm. <laughs> and so in thinking lustfully about this person, we're objectifying them and thus we're harming them. But the sin is also harming ourselves and harming ourselves harms the body of Christ. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's why, that's why I'll hear um, from more, more, I guess traditionally might like those who were educated in in the the old terminologies for sin, um, they will call masturbation self abuse, you know. And I I I still hear that in confession, and people say, well, I I I committed self abuse, and I, I know what that is. I mean, I went to seminary, I know what they're referring to when they say that. It's just a it's just a nicer way of saying it. But um, I've never but heard yeah, that, that before. That refers to that. Okay, yeah. Um, but the the other thing I wanted to get at is is when you talk about seeing their own dignity, and this is just a call to men. Um, obviously, women, you know, find if you struggle with that, as I think probably every human being does, you know, find obviously in the in the God who loves you and who who is a father to you and wants to lead you to. Um, understanding your own worth, and God's going to do that. It, I mean, that, that's what He does. That's what a good father does. Um, but I can tell you that for you men, um, if you and I, I heard a priest say this one time. He said, "I I started going and praying outside Planned Parenthood, you know, and I started doing it weekly, if not daily, because he was a priest that lived near Planned Parenthood, so he could." And he said that that when I did that, I found that children children in my parish, children that I, of my family members, children began, began smiling at me more. They wanted me to hold them more. There was like this affirmation that came from children since I was trying to save children's lives by praying outside of Planned Parenthood. So in, in a mystical, spiritual way, other children were, were seeing in me this ministry to children and they were they were again smiling and wanted me to hold them. There, there was a there was an attraction that children had um, in a deeply mystical way um, because he was doing this ministry. Um, I think the same thing is true for men who are really struggling and fighting the good fight to be pure and to be chaste. Um, you you will see women will see that in you and 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 they will they will come to understand you in an even in a spiritual way as as a, a safe place, like as a place of safety, because there, there's, if you, if you even are fighting 
these because you say, I will not think about this woman in this way unless I, I, I have consent and a consent that is of God, a consent that is true, a consent that is coming from a place of her beauty. Like even if she doesn't feel at that moment, the self-worth that you talk about sister, like you can be a catalyst for that, you know, and this is anybody, women can see other women and, and, and look at them and, and give them and, and just treat them with the worth that is truly theirs. But men, you have a special place in doing that where you can, you can, you can make sure that you are, you know, fight the thoughts that, that are in any way lustful about a woman and, and you will have a certain spiritual bond within the body of Christ that, that they will likely feel in some mystical way too. I mean, I know this is, this is very ethereal and, and unprovable, but, but it makes sense to me that, that it like in, it was hidden, like if, if, if sin mars us and in the picture of Dorian Gray, um, it marred the painting instead of him, but sin does mar us, but in a hidden way, cause the devil wants it to be hidden so that we don't, we don't, um, repent, but like in a good way, growing in virtue and in love and generosity and fighting lust will also show in us in a mystical way. And if God wants people to perceive that in us, they will perceive it. You know, real sin really mars us and the devil tries to prevent it, but it shows. And so real virtue really shows. And I, I think it, it may not show on our outward physical form, but it may also. And, 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 but it will certainly show in the way we interact with people. It'll show in a myst, in, in a, in a mystical way. And, and again, I, people at outside in society may just look at you weird. You know, you may have, you may have children and, and, and women and older people and, and nuns and like people who kind of perceive these deeper things. They may see something in you that is inexplicable that you can't explain, but it's a beauty because you've tried to grow in virtue in these ways. And you, you have demands of yourself that not only am I not committing adultery? Not only am I not looking at pornography, um, I am, I'm fighting the good fight even when it comes to Christ's command in Matthew 5 to, to not look at him lustfully. And then when I'm kind of saying, well, if I'm dating somebody and I'm saying, I'm, I'm of course not gonna think lustful thoughts about them, but I, and they are gonna come to call the mind. I'm gonna say, oh man, I hope one day that I can hold her hand. I hope one day that I can kiss her. I hope one day I can sit right next to her. Like all these things like this, like the, if, if it's a girl you're dating, like she's probably totally fine with that. Like, those are good things. So I, th I think that that way of actually considering if this, if this woman understands who she is, is a beautiful child of God who, who's, and if she understands that I am falling in love with her and I, I want all these things like that, that consent can just be a really beautiful thing. And I think that that will, unlike the picture of Dorian Gray, the, the, the positive will show in our being, whether physically or, or, or something transcendent in other. Yeah, I um yeah, I I really really like that a lot. That's that's a really good observation. I think that I want to I want to say a couple things about that. One is that um I it, it, since entering the monastery and since since just trying to to be very intentional in seeing people um and and seeing them with with a purity um and really seeing them as God sees them. I've had multiple instances where it's like, I see, this happened uh, most recently, it was down at the shrine. Um, I was down at the shrine and someone was there for liturgy. And I just saw something in them that I, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even articulate it to you, but I was just like, there is, there is a purity here. There's a holiness here that um, there was nothing, 
visible that I could have known this. Um, and sometimes I just see that and I thank God for that. And, but this particular time, I really felt the movement of the spirit to say something to this person. Um, sure. and, and I went up to him, um, and I told him this, this happened a few months ago. And, um, and I said, there's just something anyways, I, I tried to articulate as poorly as I just did. And he just starts weeping. Um, mm. and he shares this story that very clearly revealed exactly what I was seeing. And it was mm. so beautiful. Um, but in a, <laughs> in a much lighter and, and funnier, uh, funnier note, um, I'm remembering, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you remember this father Michael, but when I, when I decided to, when I like made the firm decision of I'm entering the monastery, um, like I'd applied, I'd been accepted and all of that. It's like from that moment on so many men, started asking me out and it's like, and I'm like, where were all these men before? Um, but it was funny because (laughs) these were men, like men that I worked with men that I like, they weren't, it wasn't, it wasn't really, well, it happened with like one person, a couple people at church, but for the most part, it was like people who had no idea that I was entering a monastery. It wasn't people who like, they didn't know what I was doing. And um, <laughs> I remember um, a mutual friend of, of ours, Father Michael, I won't say her name, but uh, I think she listens. So she'll know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, she said, she was like, why are all of these men asking you out? And she was like, you're not even that pretty. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, I mean, you're like, you're average looking, but, and I was like, I'm going to choose to not be offended by that. But anyways, um, the, but it was just when, when I, I brought this to you in spiritual direction, because I was like, father Michael, this is happening. And it's actually really weird. And, and you were like, you know, it could very well simply be that these people, whether they know it or not, they're seeing a woman who is actively pursuing the will of God, a woman who desires holiness. Mm-hmm. And whether they realize that's what's attracting them or not, um, that is attracting them. And anyways, it didn't yeah. make the discernment much easier. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. I had the exact same thing happen uh, with someone who also listens. I won't, I won't name him, but it was a guy who, 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 um, somebody had shared uh, a friend of mine. This was after I was a priest and, and she did it very, very well. Um, but she, she shared with me that she was attracted to me. She was not religious at all. She shared with me that she was attracted to me, but the way she put it was like, this is how I feel. And by the way, I'm not going to do anything about it. She just said, like, I wish I had gotten you before God did, but that's what, that's why she wrote it. So there was, I, it was, it was actually really, really well done to say, I don't recommend, by the way, you telling people who there's no chance of you having a relationship. Do no. not generally tell people that you're attracted to them. It's usually not helpful no. at all, but, but she did it. It, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was very pure and innocent, um, but she did it. But that's what she, I, I loved how she said it. And she's not religious. So there, there was nothing, there was nothing like, she didn't respect the priesthood. She didn't really even respect celibacy, but she respected me. And so she said, I wish I got you before God did. So when, when a mutual friend, friend of, of hers and mine kind of um it came up and and they were and they were saying this this guy comes up to me and says she's really pretty and like and she's really intelligent and smart and funny and he's going all these things and he's like like you she is way out of your league i mean like like you're okay <laughs> but you're you're not like you're not that much of a catch like she he, he was pretty much saying how flattered are you that this woman was like it, at all attracted to you, want to spend more time with you. And I was like, yeah, okay, thanks, bud. You know, but it was, it was kind of something very similar. Like, I'm just pointing out the obvious, like you should be flattered by this. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't even want to think about it because I know those are the things you kind of like oh, put out of the mind. Um, anyway. 
Yeah, so it, it is. I, I really do think there is that because I've done the same thing. I've I've seen people, and it's and honestly, for me, I even see people who are steeped in sin. I see people who are who are coming out of sin. People, but but you see something deep in them that is the potential, even like the like this person is going to respond and is responding to the work of the Holy Spirit, even if they are right now steeped in sin. And even that has has really because I'll like I'll do the same thing. I'll look at them or I'll I'll be talking. With I'm a man, there's something special about this person. Then I'll find out that they're steeped in sin, but I'm like, but I, I see, I see the potential. I see the Holy Spirit working in you anyway. And that the Holy Spirit working mm-hmm. in you that, that, that we all hope that you respond to is what's making you look in a, in a, this way, attractive in, in this beautiful, spiritual, deep way. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. That was a really good topic. I liked it. Oh, thank you. Thanks for uh, dealing with my random thoughts and my monologue. Um, yeah, I, I wrote a bunch of other things down for that too last night when I was um, sitting at the bar and uh, doing a little evangelization. It was actually a really good night. Uh, yeah, actually, I'll, I'll take them as my as my prayer intentions. Um, so that's kind of fitting. Um, but before prayer intentions, shout out, sister. Um, I'm gonna save the shout out that we talked about for the next episode. Um, but I do want to give a shout out to, um, a listener had sent, this was just so sweet. I don't know. It wasn't, it wasn't signed or if it was supposed to be signed, it didn't come through. Um, but a listener had sent a, um, box of like my favorite drinks, um, like the sweet and spicy tea and liquid IV and, um, and a box of my favorite drinks along with an Amazon gift card for a hundred dollars with a note that said, um, a note that said, I don't know what the other nuns like to drink. Please get something for them too. And so, so I had a lot of fun going on Amazon and just like going on this, this, uh, splurge of buying all of these, um, like fun things that I know the other nuns like to drink. So I just thought that was really, really thoughtful because I, um, you know, I often feel, I often feel like people have sent uh, Olivia things a couple times and that always makes me really happy because I'm like, I don't want to just like, it's not fair that just because it's my face that I'm getting all of these <laughs> things when these other people actually are much holier than me and probably <laughs> deserve more gifts than me. Um, anyways, the, so that was just was really, really thoughtful. So listener? I wanted to give a special I think so. Or it, I mean, there was in the okay. box, there was no, um, there was no, yeah, I think they just signed it a podcast listener. So, um, okay. yeah. Cause I, I'm guessing it's the same person then that sent me a very creative box. Um, so I don't, it just, this oh. just says, thank you for the podcast from listener. Um, but anyway, they sent me a box with two boxes of like every kind of LaCroix. There is the water, the the seltzer water, I like every single flavor, and then two boxes of uh, coffee. So anyway, it was I was like, so I, it, it still it still it still blows my mind that people like listen and then think and then this creative and their love language is gift giving. It's and that they think of us and they put the work and the month and the time and the money into. Uh, so thank you. I also want to, and I, I'm sorry, somebody else sent me coffee too from Speedwell Coffee in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Um, I I think you may have put your name in there and I apologize. Um, once you get to know me better, you'll know that I do this all the time. <laughs> um, but I had the postcard that came with it and I enjoyed the coffee. It's already, it's been gone for weeks. Um, so thank you to whoever, <laughs> whoever gave this Speedwell Coffee too. And if I find your name somewhere, I will uh, give you a more, a better shout out. So thank you for your humility if you don't. 
The, the last thing, I guess, before, before prayer intentions is maybe um, to remind people to please um, like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and um, on YouTube. You can subscribe and also Goodreads. Um, we've gotten, by the way, shout out to the media team because I've gotten some really good uh like feedback about Goodreads recently, like people telling me how helpful it's been to them. And, um, and then also on whatever you listen to us through on Spotify or iTunes or iTunes is not a thing. Apple podcasts. Um, iTunes is a thing. I don't know. Anyways. Um, but it's on Apple podcasts. That's how you comment. Comment. And, um, the, those things. So I just love how like you are so eloquent except for this part of the podcast. <laughs> like, it's just, I, I just, I'm just like sitting there watching, here, listening, try to do this, and just kind of laughing to myself. Um, okay, uh, thank you for that. Prayer intention, sister, or you want me to go first? Um, you go first, it's your episode. Okay, so um, uh, I have a few. Uh, Chef Sam Bittner, um, I was looking through the emails and he emailed. Um, he is a friend of mine uh, from Denver and he's a great guy. He's a Deegan candidate. Please pray for him. I think he said he and his brothers in his cohort have one year left. So Chef Sam, God bless you. I miss you. Uh, thank you for all the love for my companions in Christ. He came and cooked for us one time. Uh, you know what a good chef I am, um, sister, but I, I, I gave up my week cooking for the companions that had him, him come in and cater, which is a great sacrifice to me, of course. Uh, totally joking. Um, so thank you, Chef Sam, for that. Congratulations on your progress in the Deacon School and one more year. That's amazing. Um, and God bless your discernment and your formation. Um, I also want to say uh, a, a really close friend of Teresa Grandin, who we know, a guy named Tom passed away. So please pray for the soul of Tom. Mm. I had a divine liturgy for him last night. And um, also pray for my friend, uh, Dieter McGovern, who uh, I think listens. So Dieter also sent me, um, she's so good. So she's been, she's been um, back in school and she has a whole cohort studying and going through test after test after test after test. And every single test she'd have me pray for her and I'd pray for them. And then she'd tell them like, oh, Father Michael's praying for all of us. And so they had like class shirts made of like their class logo and they sent me ones. Cause like I was, she says, oh, your prayer made Aww. you like part of this cohort. I was like, oh my gosh, broke my heart. So that was good. But also these two, um, I was sitting, drinking and eating and doing some evangelization at the bar last night. And there were two women, I, I won't say their names cause I don't, I don't know if they want me to or not. Um, but, uh, but we just had a really good conversation, kind of this typical conversation of, uh, you're a priest. Um, first of all, you're a priest, you're allowed to drink. That's what I always get. And I'm like, uh, yes, I'm allowed to drink in moderation, of course. And then, and then we got in this big conversation about, about celibacy and about the church and about things like this. And so just pray for these two women that anything, part of the conversation that we talked about may just sit well on their hearts and the Holy Spirit may continue to work. Awesome. Um, I'm going to ask for prayers for um, a kid named Owen who wrote us a letter, um, a really beautiful letter. And he is, he attends um, school um, somewhere where a friend of mine teaches, but he asked that we pray for him because he's entering, um, he goes to a Catholic school, but he's entering the Catholic church, um, next year, I think. 
and or he's I think he yeah yeah he's not even I think he's not even baptized so he's fully entering the church um I think next year so pray for Owen as he prepares he sounds super excited which is just really beautiful to see amen all right may Lord bless all of you keep you cause his face to shine upon you have mercy on you may he protect you many attacks the devil especially that may come from other human beings may he give you healing in any way that you've been hurt may he give you conviction may he give you a desire for for deep and true sincere conversion and purity Um, may he allow you always to know his concern for you care for you um the way he is the physician of soul and body, the way that he's a healer, the way that he's a protector. Um, May our Lord allow you to see your own sin as we pray in the prayer of St. Ephraim, um, that the devil's tricks to hide the effects from us um, may fall short, be ineffective. May we truly have true repentance for any way that we've fallen and may we be able to see um, not only the outside of the whitewashed tombs of others and ourselves, but rather the, the interior beauty, the interior struggle, the places that God sees us. And may we react accordingly as we do everything for the greater glory of God, as we become more pure members of the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. May our Lord do everything we need in us and may we respond well even to the salvation of our souls. May the Lord bless all of you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Love you. Love you, listeners. I love y'all. Love you too, sister. Thank you. Be well. Bye.